So tell me a little bit about what you're currently doing now. Okay, so I am doing a a bunch of things. I'm working at uh, Legacy Theater in Brantford, Connecticut, um, stage managing A Christmas Carol, um, which is actually a remount. They did A Christmas Carol last year. It's a new theater. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just opened in 2021, I believe. Um, And uh, they did A Christmas Carol last year, and it's a new musical production um, that they wrote. and uh and so they're remounting it and this is the first time they've ever remounted anything they you know they they basically do newer shows or Mm. you know new productions of shows but um but they're remounting this so they already have the set they already have everything um they have you know basically a lighting design they're Mm. making a little a few changes and additions to things uh, but you know the set's already there. We're rehearsing on the set, so that's really cool. Um, and apart from that, I'm also a managing editor for Daily Star Trek News. So I do I do that. I do a little bit with that sort of every day. Uh, and I write uh, for Sherlock Holmes magazine, which is a quarterly magazine. Um, so once every three months, um, I write one or two stories that go into that magazine and get published. So now, how did you come about these job opportunities? Uh, so the um, I'm I'm a stage manager by profession. I have been mm-hmm. for thirty years. Um, so the legacy job, um, I have been uh, working at. Um, Nantucket uh, in Nantucket at, at the White Heron Theater Company uh, for about the past five years as their resident stage manager. So at the end of the season this year, they said, we don't think we're doing a Christmas Carol this year. They've We've done um, a Nantucket Christmas Carol every year for the past four years. And they said, we don't think we're doing it this year. Uh, so don't, don't turn down any work for, for the Christmas season because we don't think we're doing it. So um, I didn't. I I actively sought work. I sent my resume to places, um, including this legacy theater. I um, sent my resume after a, a friend of mine um, who I've worked with before mm-hmm. was like, um, I'd love to bring you in. He helped sort of start this theater. Uh, his name is Jamie Burnett. Um, and he he sort of he brought in all the equipment he's the lane designer so he brought in all the lighting and the snow machine and everything that the theater owns all the technical stuff the theater owns he pretty much found and brought in um and he knew they have a stage manager but she was looking to move more into the production management side mm-hmm. so um so he said would you send me your resume um and because i'd love to get you involved in this theater and as, as the stage manager so i sent him my resume and it all looked, it all worked out great. They liked me. I liked them. It's a sweet little theater. Um, and uh, they put on good productions. Uh, and so they hired me. And the day after I signed the contract, White Heron Theater Company on Nantucket got back to me and said, oh, we're doing the show after all. And I was like, well, not with me, you're not. <laughs> um, so that's how I wound up working for for Legacy. Um, in terms of Sherlock Holmes magazine and Daily Star Trek news, I uh, about back in it was sort of April or May of 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent 
daily I daily Star Trek news was a podcast I listened to. So they said um, we're looking for somebody to write trivia and history. Um, and that was going to be, they were strictly a podcast at that point with, you know, every once in a while they put something on, on their website, but mm-hmm. the main thrust was they were a podcast that came out Monday through Friday um, about anything having to do with Star Trek, um, specifically breaking news and, and uh, you know, new kinds of news and stuff like that. Um, so uh, they were looking for somebody to write their trivia and history up to that point, their creator, Allison Pitt, had written it all. Um, and she had done everything. And she had just hired a couple of writers. But she wanted somebody that could take over. It was sort of taking over her life. And she had a day mm-hmm. job as well. So she she was looking for people to audition to write, um, to write trivia and history. And so I auditioned. And, um, you know, the, everybody that auditioned had their day in the sun. They got a week um of the trivia and history articles uh they we each wrote one history article and then a trivia the way she did it was there was a trivia question on tuesday and Mm -hmm. a trivia answer answer on friday so we each got a week we got to do these three days of of trivia and history and she liked what i did so she brought me on board um and i'm very technologically savvy and and very interested in technological stuff and and find it very intuitive mm-hmm. uh so uh, eventually she offered me the opportunity to come on board and learn um how to update the website and how to post articles and how to do a little bit more technologically um so i did that for a while um and and ultimately i also wound up every once in a while writing some news stories um and, you know, so I continued with the trivia, the history, the news stories. It became less of a podcast and more of an online news source. Um, we did a podcast about once a week um, by the end. Um, and then in May, this past May, uh, uh, Allison approached me and said, you know, I'm, I've been doing this for three years. I'm tired. Uh, I, she has a family. She's like, I'm, it's taking over my life and mm. it's not it's not kind of hitting me in the same way that it used to. Uh, would you like to take over and become the managing editor? And I thought about it because I, I don't like to jump into something like this, you know, just without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I, I was like, you know what? I, I don't know why I'm spending so many brain cells thinking about this. Of course I'm going to do it. So um, I agreed to do it. And I've been I've been the managing editor there for six months, and that's been really fun. At the same time that I auditioned for the trivia and history articles, um, I I had been receiving Sherlock Holmes magazine, which is a quarterly magazine, comes out of uh, the UK. Um, I I'd been reading that for a few issues. It was pretty new. It was less than a year old, and I I knew there was a place called Gillette Castle, which is here in Connecticut. Um, and it was built by William Gillette, who uh, who created the role of Sherlock Holmes for the stage. He actually got oh, wow. in touch with Arthur Conan Doyle and said, "I'd love to do, I'd love to do this." And he's a fascinating theatrical character, and this ties back into my interest in theater and theater history, you know. So, um, so I uh, and I I've been there multiple times, but I wanted to do a, a tour of it, like an, a photographic tour of it. Mm-hmm. So I. I just got in touch with Sherlock Holmes magazine. Adrian Brady is the editor. 
and and pitched the idea. And he said, I think that's a great idea. Um, so I wrote a, I got permission to get a tour. This was, they still weren't open from the pandemic yet, but mm. I got permission to, to come in um, and take, have a personal tour with one of their guides and also talk to, there's a couple that play William Gillette and his wife um, at the castle and answer questions and stuff. And they dress up, he dresses up in the full Shakespeare, oh. uh, Sherlock Holmes garb and, and all that. It's really cool. And they're really, really nice people. Um, and so I got an interview with them. So I wrote a separate article for that. So I was in two and I sent them both in, they were approved. Mm -hmm. They wound up in the, in the magazine. Um, one in the summer of 2021, one in the autumn of 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've been writing for them ever since. Um, and I have at least one article, uh, in Sherlock Holmes magazine a month or a quarter now. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes too, I, I occasionally will, will have two articles that I do. do. So, um, so, you know, I, it keeps me busy, um, you know, and it's, it's a lot of fun and I've always loved to write. Um, so, you know, it sort of hits that sweet spot as well. It sounds like it's been and not so much interesting, but just, great overall experience for you and then it i can really has. hear by like your tone of voice how enthusiastic you are about it it really has i uh you know I, th there are things that i'm interested in as well you know mm. um it's not just the, i love the writing and i love the fact that i get to write not for a living i wouldn't i don't get paid enough to call it a living mm -hmm. but um i love that i get to write and, and put that out there um now and it's you know it's it and i love i've always been a sherlock holmes fan i've been a sherlock holmes fan since my mother sent me a collection of sherlock holmes stories uh when i was at camp when i was 10 mm -hmm. and i've been a star trek fan just about as long you know and now i get to actually write about it and talk to people about it and and geek out about it so it's like it's, the whole you know, like cool. 360 for you yeah right exactly Exactly. So, and it's a great way to come out of the pandemic, you know, because I was working uh, during the pandemic. I, excuse me, I was one of the fortunate ones. I actually had a job during the pan pandemic. I worked at Best Buy, which was great. And I love technology mm -hmm. and I like people. Um, but it's, you know, I, I wasn't really super happy at, at the store. Uh, you know, it was a retail job and it was great to be working. And, um, you know, I met, I still have friends that I worked with there, you know? Um, and so that was, that was terrific. It just did, it wasn't a job that really hit me. Mm -hmm. And then to come out of that and come out of the pandemic and go into doing this kind of thing is just, you know, icing on the cake. It's great. Yeah. It's like, you're waiting for your right moment because you're not getting the itch that you want and then boom it's like just hits you exactly yeah yeah now going off of technology for a bit yeah right equipment what do you use when it comes to production or editing um so uh um i i mean for Sherlock Holmes magazine, I'm just writing, so I just use the word processor. Mm -hmm. For uh, Daily Star Trek News, um, when I took over as managing editor, I was like, well, I'm not going to do the podcast. I'm not, I, you know, I'm, I'm just not interested in, I, I like to write. I'm, I'm not interested in, in doing the video and the 
podcasting and that kind of thing. Um, but it's funny how things work because I suddenly started getting interviews and haven't stopped getting interviews. So I, the podcast lives, it doesn't live in the same way Allison had it, but it, it continues on. It's mostly an interview show now. And we, mm. we do the news uh, mostly online. And then we have a YouTube channel and a podcast and the YouTube channel has, of course, the video of, of you know a Zoom a Zoom call with whoever I'm interviewing, and the podcast is just the audio of that. I don't do any any special podcast. I just take the audio of that video and put it on there. Um, I have a Mac computer. Uh, every every couple of weeks, I find something new. I so it started just by using Zoom and recording mm-hmm. Zoom. Um, and, and I have graduated from that to, uh, recording zoom, but then using iMovie, mm-hmm. um, so that I can get some close-ups, um, of people so that I'm not always on the screen or zoom isn't deciding, you know, there's a way you can set up zoom so that it flips between people. And it, that I tried that once and it wasn't a great experience. Uh, the interview was great, but it, zoom just didn't do what i needed it to do so um so i taught myself how to how to use imovie mm-hmm. to get what i need um graduating from that um i uh have recently discovered something called hit film which is um a free film editor mm-hmm. you can pay for it, it for more stuff but all i need to do to use is the free stuff um and i've also learned how to with zoom you can um you can record separate tracks for each person so i can you know there was a time when i was doing interviews and mm-hmm. i would laugh at an unfortunate moment or something and it would obscure what somebody was saying well now i i learned just recently how to how to edit out my my voice if i don't mm-hmm. want to hear me and just want to hear the person speaking so I'm doing that, and then I can also import into uh, HitFilm and do different transitions, uh, more more transitions than you can do in iMovie. Uh, iMovie is sort of like the basic thing. Uh, HitFilm, I'm just learning. So I still mm-hmm. use iMovie for the basics, and then I move over to HitFilm if I want to do something more uh, technologically challenging. Um, and so I use that... Uh, those two programs as my basis we record the podcasts and then i put the podcast audio i export the audio using imovie Mm -hmm. um and then and so i export one that's got both the audio excuse me audio and video and then i also export just the audio and i take that and i put it there's um something online called libsyn Mm -hmm. which is a podcast hosting site um and so i put it up there uh, we're part of the Roddenberry Podcasting Network, so uh, they they have a podcatcher on their website that catches every time I load something and and drop an episode. Uh, their their website catches it, and so you can find it on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. You can find it in Apple um, Podcasts. You can find it pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find it. Um, so that's I use Libsyn to to do that podcast hosting. Um, I also use Squarespace. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's our website. 
Um, and I've gotten really proficient at Squarespace now. I still mess up sometimes. Sometimes it's a little tricky, but I've done a lot of it, a lot of Squarespace over the past year. So I, I've really gotten gotten good at updating our website and such. And we use MailChimp. We have a daily newsletter um, that, that catches every article that we put out um, mm -hmm. per day. And, they, uh, and the newsletter goes from MailChimp. So I use MailChimp a lot too. There's always stuff to learn, which is incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I want to get, I don't have a real microphone yet. Mm -hmm. um, I want to up my game. I, I, I'm always the hardest judge of my work, but I think, I do think the, that our podcast sound could be better. So I want to, um, I'm, I'm looking at investing in, in a microphone and I've looked at a couple of different kinds of microphones and to see what, what I think would be a good sort of starting microphone. Mm -hmm. Now that apparently I'm doing podcasting, who knew, um, I, you know, I, I need to up that game a little bit. Um, so, you know, that's the next step. Now talking about the step for you, what was it like? working at the lyric stage company of boston i love lyric stage company uh, i had never worked there before i know people who have worked there i'm i'm kind of plugged in to the boston theater scene because mm. i have worked in boston before i worked at actors shakespeare project um for a i did a couple of shows there and they their people's names um come up all the time of that i worked with there um uh so i worked uh, lyric back in in the spring i did um uh a gentleman's guide to love and murder which is this hilarious murder mystery it's not really a murder mystery it's about a guy who's who's trying to murder all the heirs of a particular um fortune because mm -hmm. because if he murders enough of them then he comes up ready uh due for the fortune and it's very funny um we had a lot of issues now i love that theater company um, and it was not at all the theater company's fault that we had issues. We, for one thing, the um, the script, uh, the Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, mm -hmm. uh, at the time it, it was ten years ago, maybe or something that it was on Broadway. Times have changed already in that ten years. Um, there's a there was a lot of racist stuff in one particular song in particular mm -hmm. um, that we had to that we weren't comfortable with. Um, and so we actually, our musical director contacted um, the original um, writer mm -hmm. and asked if he'd write a new, a new version of the song or a new version. It's just, it was just one verse that was mm -hmm. really, really bad. Um, and he did, but it took him until like the day we opened oh, um, wow. or the day, the day before we opened, before we got the new lyrics and the new lyrics meant we had um we had to do new choreography to it because they were different enough that the choreography we were doing just wasn't working mm -hmm. um so that was one challenge another challenge is now in these post-covid times you have to have um an understudy mm -hmm. or understudies for your leads you also have to have swings and so what swings are uh, there's usually a male swing and a female swing and what they do is they cover everybody else. If, if you've got a lead who's got an understudy, they don't cover them necessarily, mm -hmm. but they'll cover, you know, um, the, 
you know, the third guy, you know, in the background or whatever, but they have to cover, they have, honestly, swings have the hardest job in theater. They have to cover everybody. You know, they have to learn all the lines, all the lyrics, all the, all the movements, everything uh, with minimal rehearsal. Um, and so during our tech week, which is the week when you, when you put the show together and put all the technical aspects in the show, it happens right before you open, our lead got COVID. Um, and the, his understudy, we were like, well, we'll just, we'll just put his understudy on the, uh, tomorrow and then we'll open with his understudy. The next day, his understudy got COVID. So we had we wound up having to cancel the first 10 performances. Wow. Um, and then by the end of the run, almost everybody in the cast and crew had had COVID. Um, I didn't. There were a couple mm. of the people who didn't, but almost everybody else got COVID. We, the second to last week, we had to cancel um, the full week. And the final week, we made it through barely, but we had, I think it was a, 10 or 11 person cast mm -hmm. and we had we finished the show we finished closing night with six people on stage two of them were the understudies and two of them were the swings wow <laughs> yeah so it was a challenging production working for the company was a delight though i would go back and work for them anytime they were they're just they they make a habit of, um, and this is part of their ethos, of hiring the most delightful people, hiring people who aren't going to be an issue mm -hmm. for the theater, um, you know, because you can get your divas and you can get your people who are hard to work with um, or people who think they deserve more than they can mm -hmm. get or whatever. They somehow manage, and there's always one in every, in every cast, in every, and I've, I've lucked out in recent years of not having that many the cast i'm working with now they're everybody is delightful as well and every, there wasn't a single person on stage or off that was hard to work with or that thought they were better than everybody else not a single person who wouldn't pitch in um you know it was really it was a delightful experience to work at lyric i would go back there in a heartbeat it definitely sounds like it was a good team and as anyone would know in entertainment that's what is required when you're right. trying to get something done. Yeah, absolutely. It's all about teamwork. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've taught a few theater classes in my time. Not not many. Um, you know, I had an after school program when I was 18. And during the pandemic, I hopped on Zoom with my niece once a week and did a theater class. Um, you know, that kind of thing. But number one thing I teach them is teamwork is everything. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's very much a team sport. Um, and it doesn't matter if you're the usher bringing somebody to their seat or if you're the producer finding the money for the company. It's, you know, it's everybody's part of the team. And to have a good production, you all have to be working together. Yes, indeed. I've definitely had my fair share of people that have been helpful and then people that I've learned from. And sure. in doing so, you kind of realize how fortunate you are when you have good staff yeah absolutely absolutely it's the key to success in just about anything um you know theater obviously is is a unique profession and it very much depends on teamwork but you could look at any profession and be like mm. you know everybody's everybody's important in some way so yeah
Now for you, what was the most proudest moment you've had professionally? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm consistently proud of the work I do. There mm. are days when I'm like, yeah, I suck today, but, um, but I, you know, I, I enjoy the work I do. I think I'm usually 90, 92% of the time. I think I'm, I'm good at it. Um, I would say one um, in recent years that mm. I'm very proud of is I in Nantucket at White Heron Theater Company, we were doing a production of The Hound of the Baskervilles, which, you know, it, it was like manna from heaven for me getting to do a Sherlock Holmes show, you know, because I'm so into Sherlock Holmes. Mm -hmm. And it's it's one of those plays where it's three people who play all the roles. Um, and it's done for comedy, um, but it's, it's so technologically challenging. It is there there's bodies that are falling from the ceiling and there's uh things that are that are uh being brought on stage um either either by a pulley or mm -hmm. by people moving them there's quick changes all over the place like it is everybody because it's three people playing 20 roles or 50 roles or whatever however many it is um so there's all kinds of things happening in addition to which there's sound cues happening mm -hmm. um and a lot of them and a lot of lighting so it was a lot um and i happen to have uh three three crew members um on that show which is great except none of them had done theater before um well, two of them were in high school one was like a freshman in college mm -hmm. um and they they all came in we you know we were looking for run crew they came in none of them had ever done any theater before uh, oh. um so there was a huge learning curve uh aside from that our sound designer had the sound design and sent it to us but was unable to be on island for tech so i had to and i had we use uh, something called Q Lab mm. for um, which is basically you can do run sound and now you can run projections from from it, um, and it's a great program. But you know you, you want to spend a little time with it before you before you work with it. Mm. I didn't have the time to spend, um, so we went into tech, and I basically had to teach myself how to run Q Lab during during tech rehearsal which tech rehearsal is a 12 hour day with a two hour break in the middle. Um, and so it's a long day and it can go to the next day um, mm -hmm. too. It, it's not necessarily just the one day and, and it was my birthday. Um, and I, so I taught myself how to use QLab and how to edit these cues and add cues and do all this stuff that I had never done before while at the same time, training these three people who had never done theater before um and it was exhausting um i i'm diabetic and i had a i had a little diabetic meltdown in the middle of the day because so much was going on um and and you know my body was just like okay you need to like stop for a second um so it was it was a tough and it was my birthday and everybody saying happy birthday to me which was nice but um but i was also like 
I don't really have time for you to sing happy birthday to me. I have a million things I have to do or we're not going to have a show on Thursday. Um, so, uh, so, you know, it was super challenging, but at the end of the day, looking back on it, mm. I, it was, it was one of my favorite shows I've ever done. Uh, and it was also, I'm just super proud that we got it up. The three kids that were running the show, um, one of them used to want to be a writer and now wants to be a stage manager. Um, and I've worked with her since and she's great. Um, and, uh, you know, she's a delight. Um, and she was my ASM since then she, for a couple of different shows. So, which is assistant stage manager. So, um, so, you know, I'm really proud of how that show turned out. And uh, despite all the challenges, we all got through it, um, you know, without nobody lost any limbs. Um, and, you know, it was a really, really good show. It was a really good seller. Um, and it was a funny show. And, you know, it was just, it was looking back on it. I was like, okay, it nearly killed me, but it was a really good show. And I'm, I'm proud, really proud of the work I did on that. Which is always nice to, even though it could be stressful, and I'm sure it was at moments. Sure, yeah. But it sounds like it was just a great experience to kind of be like, I was stressed a little bit, but I managed to get through it. And through that, I was able to give a good performance. Absolutely, yeah. Now, the last question I have is, how do you stay calm during a project when things don't go planned? Uh, well, <laughs> I get I have a lot of practice in that <laughs> um, because things in theater never go as planned. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can have as many lists as you want. You can set up as many calendar thing items as you want. But something, I mean, the both the stories I told, the one about the lyric and the one about Hound of the Baskervilles, things did not go as planned. Things never go as planned. So you have to say to yourself, we're just doing theater. You know, mm -hmm. it's not like I'm, I'm not performing brain surgery. I'm not sending somebody to the moon. Um, you know, lives don't depend on this. Um, it's just theater. So, mm -hmm. yes, it is super stressful. And there have been days where I, in particular shows where I've been, maybe I need to leave theater now because I'm, you know, I used to have hair and now I don't because it's so stressful. But, um, but it, you know, it's something I love to do. And I, um, I, I just sort of go, even when I'm starting to feel, sort of feel the blood pressure rise, mm -hmm. um, I feel like I'm, as the stage manager, the one that's supposed to stay calm. The one that needs to keep everybody else calm and make everybody else. I'm the father. I, I have to make sure everybody else knows everything's going to be okay. Even if I don't know that everything everything is going to be okay, everybody else needs to, needs to understand that it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it always is because it's, it's theater. It's, you know, we're putting on putting on productions and often we're putting on productions that say something and are important and people need to hear. But at the end of the day, you know, we're not, we're not saving a life. We're, we're doing, doing theater. Um, the, the times I have always worried about in my career most are times when somebody might get hurt yeah. um, uh, because of something I did or because of something I didn't do. Um, so I've always been very careful about that. 
Um, I don't want I don't want people getting hurt um, on my watch. And sometimes some of the set moves or whatnot can be a little tricky. Um, and they could hit people. Mm. And, you know, I, I've, I haven't done any Broadway, but there are, I don't know if you heard the stories about Spider-Man the musical, Mm-mm. Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, that, that was a super dangerous, people wound up getting hurt badly, like hospital hurt um, on that show. And I've always been sort of, uber careful about that because mm-hmm. i don't want that to happen and we don't i don't work on tend to work on shows where people are going to get you know become paraplegics because because of something i did or didn't do but um but i do work on shows where there are things moving somebody could get hit by a door somebody mm-hmm. you know that that's being that's being brought on um you know if if i i didn't or my asms didn't glow tape that step somebody could fall down the stairs you know um so that that's when i start to get a little bit more stressed is when people are um people are are in danger Mm. um but even then i'm like so we just have to make sure that they aren't in danger and then it's fine um i've i've had actors break their ribs on stage in the middle of the performance um not from anything anybody did it was Mm. the actor's own fault um and we had to stop the show and get him to a hospital and then we kept going without him but um but it was fine um you know uh so it's it's really everybody else can get stressed and and a little bit panicky i can't afford to Mm -hmm. and i just tell myself look you missed a light cue somebody didn't get their their spotlight you know it's it's not it's not the end of the world um, it may feel like that at the time. Um, we did a production of The Weir, which takes place in an Irish pub uh, at White Heron a couple of years ago. And it was a difficult, it was a, it's a great show and we had a great mm-hmm. cast and, and it was a great production. Um, but they, they actually have to pour beer while during the show. So we had this whole contraption set up um, to pour beer. And and it, there was a keg underneath the bar, hidden underneath the bar. And when they pulled the um, pulled the whatever you call it, the the I lever to yeah um, to to get the beer, there was a tube that it got sucked up through and then down and came into the um, poured into the glass. Um, it was a clever design, mm-hmm. but it was hard to tell when the keg was empty. Uh, and more than once. We ran out of beer either in the middle of a performance or toward the beginning of the performance uh, because, and that was that was in part my fault because I couldn't tell if the keg was keg was full or not. It felt full to me at those times, but it was just hard to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the actors got stressed about it because the show relies on that keg of beer, you know, um, and I totally understand that, but you know the the system was difficult to work with couldn't you know couldn't know every time and you just move on and you know i it only happened a couple of times um Mm. uh, but and you got to remember also when you're doing something like this the audience doesn't know something's amiss the audience can't tell unless it's something really bad the audience is has is seeing this for the first time they don't know that that an actor's messed up a line or that I missed a light cue or that any of this happened unless somebody gets hurt. 
Let's mm-hmm. let me break the ribs, you know? Um, so, so you just keep that all in mind. And when your blood pressure starts to rise, you just sort of think about it and are like, oh yeah, nobody except me knows that this is a problem. So, and then um, you go on, part of my job is troubleshooting, you know? And so you go ahead and you troubleshoot the problem. And, uh, um, and you know, either it works out or it doesn't, but then you fix it for the next night. Do you, the nice thing about theater is you have a second chance. Um, you know, in television, once, once it's printed, you don't have another chance to go back and, I mean, you can do reshoots and stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not as easy. With theater, you do it one night, it's ephemeral, that performance is gone forever. Um, tonight's performance, is also ephemeral, but it might be a great performance. It's will also be gone forever tomorrow, mm. but maybe you fixed the problem that there was last night. Um, so, you know, you just have to keep it all in perspective. And thank you very much for allowing me to interview you. No problem. Thanks for asking. I had a great time, Joseph. Ooh. Hold on.